Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Pastime Podcast uh, brought to you by PVFFA. My name is Mark Cabaliza, and I am currently serving as the chapter president and the South Coast Regional Vice President representing the Santa Barbara section. Hello, everyone. My name is Elizabeth Beebe, and I'm the chapter reporter and the Santa Barbara section treasurer. I've been involved in FFA for three years. Hello, my name is Mia Diaz. I am your Greenhand president, and I have been involved in FFA for two years. And today joining us, we have Mr. Dickinson and Mrs. Guerra, both from the Pioneer Valley FFA program. Can you guys give us a little background about yourselves? Ms. Guerra, why don't, we, why don't you start us off? Okay. Um, so hello, um, as Mia said, my name is Mrs. Guerra, and this is uh, my 15th year teaching at Pioneer Valley High School, my second in the ag department. Before that, I was in the business department for 13 years. Um, I am from Santa Maria as well. I was a member of the Santa Maria FFA chapter when I was in high school and went to Cal Poly. I was an ag business major at Cal Poly, came back and was, um, I got my teaching credential and was hired here at Pioneer Valley. So pretty exciting uh, to be back in this area that I'm from as well. Um, and just so you guys, if the, those of you that don't know, I'm actually married to Mr. Guerra, one of the other ag teachers um, here on campus, and we have three crazy little boys um, that I'm also trying to deal with at home during this crazy virtual time. Thank you, Ms. Guerra. Well, I'm Mr. Dickinson. Um, I guess this is my fourth year teaching at Pioneer Valley. Uh, I'm actually an, an alumni of Pioneer Valley High School. I graduated uh, from here in 2012, so coming up on my 10-year class reunion pretty soon. Um, some of the classes that I teach here are agricultural biology, and in the past I have taught ag science as well. Um, I am the advisor for the beef group uh, for replacement heifers and market steers for the Santa Barbara County Fair. I also coach a soil and land evaluation judging team. And and uh, I also oversee, you know, a lot of the crop production projects, as well as uh, oversee students working at the patch and here in our local community. Thanks for having us today, officers. I just realized I forgot to say what I coach, so I guess I should probably uh, also say that my classes are, um, I either have the freshman Ag Science 1 or I teach um, Ag Business, which is junior, senior, and the Ag Government and Econ class, which is for seniors. Um, I am currently coaching the Creed speakers. I'm helping out with the BIG team, which is the freshman um, judging team, and then also the Ag um, Cooperative Marketing team. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Okay, so for the first question we want to ask you is, what's the biggest challenge so far being an Ag teacher? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, every day is a challenge. I think, uh, you know, with every new day, there's new successes, new challenges. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's important to, to uh, especially in these day, day and ages, to really recognize uh, the daily challenges of surviving high school during a pandemic. And, uh, you know, with virtual learning, it uh, has really taken a toll on, on our students. And this is the reason why our, our program and our, and, our, and our officers are working so hard to try and reach out and to provide opportunities uh, for students to stay engaged during these difficult 
different times. And so, you know, the biggest challenge so far for, for, for this experience in the last uh, year or so uh, has just been trying to make those connections and make them meaningful and to uh, provide students with lasting opportunities and memories within, uh, you know, the best program here on our campus. So that would be the biggest challenge, making connections with our, especially our new students. Uh, one of the challenges that I would say would be um, just as a as a ag teacher in a in a regular classroom, when we have students in our classroom, we're we're always asked to do um, much more than the actual curriculum and the classroom teaching. We're as both Mr. Dickinson and myself um, already mentioned, we're asked to you know coach teams and take you guys to competitions and um, have you attend meetings and you know be active. And so we have that extracurricular, the outside of the classroom activities as well as the inside of the classroom. And so that balance for the for us as teachers to try to have time for everything and, and you know, and and be uh, have quality for everything, not just necessarily getting it done to check off the box. And so we want our program to to be great and look great as well as our classrooms to, to be great. And so that's always a challenge is to find that kind of, you know, that balance between all of it and maintain all of it. Yeah. And the, the other challenge going along with what Ms. Garris said is that you know, Pioneer Valley, we have a lot of students in our program, and especially in the FFA program with all of our new incoming freshmen, very talented underclassmen, upperclassmen, and we um, are kind of presented with the challenge of how are we going to engage them throughout this year um, and allow them to allow for their, their, their strengths to, to shine and to find success in this program. And uh, that, that would be another, you know, a big challenge facing each and every one of us. And every probably school in the state of California in the United States is, you know, how are we going to provide these opportunities for students to ultimately reach success and find success within our program? Have you found it more difficult to get students engaged during this time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think um, this is, you know, taking a toll on all of us in different ways. And so, um, I, we've noticed, you know, you guys are silent um, on that other end of the screen. And I mean, at least, you know, we can see most of you, most of you, I should say. Um, but it's, you know, it's like pulling teeth some days to get students to, to talk even. Um, and so, um, you know, trying to, to get people to, you know, obviously, you know, come to Zoom and attend and do your classwork, but then also, hey, you know, come and attend um, this event in the evening or, you know, come to another Zoom is, is a difficult thing to do. Um, although I've, I've seen quite a few students really take that challenge. So um, I think they're excited to do something, um, whether it's a drive-through event or um, some of these online competitions. That's, you know, there's a few of them that are definitely excited about it, but um, trying to get you know, us out of our funk, I guess I should say. And uh, we've all gotten a little too comfortable at home, I think. And so it's easy to just roll out of bed and, and you know, sit in front of the screen and, and basically zone out and not say anything. So we have to push ourselves, I guess, a little bit out of that, that comfort zone. Yeah, you know, I think another thing too that has really helped out and for us to combat that challenge is bringing students on campus in, in small groups. You know, if, if we're not able to make meaningful connections with all of our students through Zoom, you know, we've had opportunities for students to come through drive-through events, to participate in workshops, to come and practice with their judging teams and public speaking groups and, you know, trying to build this, this sort of community 
that, you know, ultimately in our past were kind of just embedded into our classroom, like Ms. Garris said, you know, we're, you know, we're kind of this big FFA family and how are we going to create that family atmosphere when we're unable to see each other. And so that that goes along with our biggest challenges is making those connections, but you know, through innovation, through your guys's uh, you know outreach, through you um, you know mentoring other students, we're able to to find some of those successful moments uh, despite all the challenges that that we've uh, that we've endured this past year. Um, what inspired you guys to be involved into the ag industry? So, um, yep. <laughs> So um, he has a he has a good one. Um, I was not uh, raised by um, you know parents that were in the ag industry. My parents are both teachers, um, but not at all related to ag. So um, my mom was a home ec teacher at El Camino Junior High for 37 years, and my dad was the athletic director and PE teacher at, at Santa Maria High School for 37 years. Both of them. Um, so totally not ag related. But um, I got into 4-H um, early on. I was in fourth grade and I uh, started raising animals about sixth grade. And then when I got into high school, I was super excited to become part of the Santa Maria FFA because I knew FFA, um, you know, was this fun, really cool, exciting thing. And um, I was hooked once I got, once I got in there, I got part of, um, I also did the land judging team when I was in high school, we were state champions and, um, and I um, raised, you know, sh like beef and, and sheep all the way through. And uh, just traveling and, you know, attending all these events with our, you know, friends and stuff. I just knew like, I want to go into the ag industry. And so I went into ag business um, from there and um, absolutely loved it at Cal Poly. I just really, um, I have such a, you know, place in my heart for agriculture. So that's why. Well, I mean, my connection to agriculture, it really just stems from my family's farm that has been here for, I guess this is the first, second, third, the fourth generation, I guess, of a family farm here in Santa Maria, right across the street from our high school here. Um, my family grows berries and strawberries and blackberries and broccoli, and they raise cattle for, uh, for beef production. And so it really stems from, you know, being involved on the farm with uh, my grandpa growing up, you know, feeding the baby calves and riding with him on the tractor and, um, you know, just gaining those those real life ag experiences by, you know, having that mentor and that that figure in your life to, to really show you the ropes of, you know, what things were like back in the homeland of, of Switzerland when they when they immigrated over here. And so really, you know, seeing the the, the joys and the discomforts and the, the strengths and the challenges and, and all of all of the, the ins and outs of agriculture has really just been a part of my life. Um, it's kind of funny that I ended up entering into the ag industry because I was actually quoted in this newspaper back in 1999. Um, they asked, hey, do you want to be a, a farmer like your grandfather? Do you want to get involved in agriculture? And I said, absolutely not, quoted in that newspaper. Uh, but yet here I am today, you know, uh, kind of carrying on uh, the tradition of, you know, promoting agriculture in our community. Um, which also stems from, you know, me being really close with my grandmother. She used to take uh, elementary schools um, on, on tours of our dairy farm back in the day. And that was kind of a, an annual field trip that local schools used to have here in our community. Um, until we closed the dairy in 2004, um, you know, that was kind of a normal thing to engage the community with agriculture. And so it's kind of always been a part of my life, whether it be through my experiences with my grandparents um, or even through my experiences in college as well. You know, I always knew that I wanted to get involved in some way, shape or form of agriculture. Uh, like Ms. Guerra, I attended Cal Poly. And so I was originally an agricultural business major like she was. 
And I realized through my internships and getting involved in the industry that really business wasn't for me. And, um, you know, that's when I made the transition to join the ag education department uh, so that I can, you know, continue that advocacy and spread the awareness of day-to-day -day agricultural life and to uh, provide lasting experiences just like I had. Um, like Ms. Garris said, she was a state champion soil judger. Well, so was I. We're, we're, uh, we're the top teams here uh, here at Pioneer Valley uh, from, our, from our previous coaches. And I really just want to share those experiences with, with the next generation. So, yeah, that's how I got involved. A little funny side note, um, Mr. Guerra actually has a picture on a field trip when he was a little kid at your family's dairy, um, probably with your grandpa. So um, it's pretty funny. So that goes way back. Uh, to, follow, to follow up with both of that, I mean, what would you guys tell students who kind of want to get into the ag industry but don't know how? Like they want to pursue it maybe in agriculture education or agricultural business, but they just can't seem to find a way to go into that. So what would you tell them? I would say, I think um, it's a lot more than, um, I think people like do the stereotypical, you have to be a farmer, you have to work in the fields, all that kind of stuff. And that's, there's so much more opportunity out there um, than just that kind of, you know, that line in the industry. Um, so, I mean, there are people that, um, you know, they're, running social media for an ad company. They are creating graphic arts for labels. And, um, you know, there's, there's computer science, there's engineering, all of that within agriculture. And so um, there is a space or a niche for each student. They just need to find it. Um, do you have to go um, to an ag school to be able to work in the industry? No, not necessarily. You can uh, get a degree um, outside of it and, you know, find your way back into it. It's just, um, you have to be willing to basically start kind of looking and figuring out what do I really want to do and then try to fine tune it and, and, you know, find that spot for yourself in the industry. Yeah, to kind of piggyback with what Ms. Garris said, it's like, I think all of us have this image in our mind of what agriculture means. You know, you have someone like my grandfather who is, you know, working day in and day out milking dairy cows or, you know, someone, um, you know, harvesting broccoli or strawberries, you know, those are the kind of the, the, the archetypal images of what agriculture means. But like Ms. Garris said, it's so much more than that. And, you know, with agriculture being the most productive industry here in our state and our nation, you know, providing food not only for ourselves and our nation, but also neighboring nations as well, you know, the opportunities in every aspect of agriculture is there. Uh, just in my class today, I was sharing um, about agricultural communications as being a college major. You know, Ms. Guerra was talking about social media and, you know, being able to run agricultural businesses through, you know, digital media and video production and, and photos and sharing the story of agriculture is, is an important field, especially in our current day and age where, you know, more and more people are becoming removed from the farm. You know, we're, we're not, you know, we're getting away from fourth generation farmers and we're, um, you know, building up larger cities in our metropolitan areas where they're further removed from our true agricultural roots. And so, you know, the opportunities to get involved in this industry, you don't have to be in an ag background. You know, you don't have to go to an ag school. You just have to have a passion, to, you know, for ultimately our food source and to provide that food for our growing population. You know, things from agricultural law, you know, defending farm worker and labor rights and, and water issues and all these um, you know, issues regarding climate change are all going to be um, issues that are surfacing in our current day and age and are only going to get more important in the future. And so we need the next generation to take on every role within this industry, not just the roles of the farmer, but, 
the ones that are also supporting this uh, industry overall. You're on mute. I think I'm pretty sure it's BB's turn to ask a question. Okay, so um, this question is, what's your favorite part about being an ag teacher? So easy. Um, so I just think that connection and the, um, the, the chance to get to know you guys outside of the classroom, um, it's so different than any other teacher experience that you'll have. Having done both um, subjects where you're, you know, in a subject where you don't have the extracurricular activities and then having the FFA side of things, it is really a special experience to be able to um, have these bonds that we create um, outside of the classroom to get to, you know, travel to conferences and get to know you guys a little bit um, outside of the classroom is, is a really cool experience and it's a fun thing. And it's some bonds that that you'll share. Um, I know that I have, you know, like very special relationships with my ag teachers that I had way back, you know, 20 some years ago. Um, and um, still when we see them, you know, we're good friends now. And, and so it's a, um, it's a really cool experience to have that, to, to get to know you guys a little bit differently outside of the classroom. Yeah, as you get to know your students through, you know, contests and competitions and stuff and traveling and all of that outside the classroom, it definitely provides you with, you know, a deeper connection to your students compared to if you were sitting in a math class or even a general science class. And so, um, you know, I guess my favorite part about being an ag teacher, I guess, is just seeing the growth in, in students as well. I mean, I'm going to, since all the pressure's on me and Ms. Garrett today, um, I'm going to put the pressure onto Mr. Mark Cavaliza and Elizabeth Beebe right now. If you think back to your first year as a freshman in my ag science or ag biology class, um, you know, what a complete turnaround compared to the individual that you are today. You know, Mark stepped in uh, during my first year of teaching, uh, being one of the top freshmen in our, in our ag biology class. And uh, he was arrogant. He was kind of stuck up. Uh, he uh, was kind of uh, uh, looked, uh, looked at a, in a different light from his peers. They thought he was kind of a cocky athlete who kind of knew it all. And, uh, you know, his, his head really got to him his freshman year. But the thing is, is that you, you realize when you come into a new program and you realize, um, you know, that maybe you're not all that in a bag of chips. And Mark soon realized that when he stepped into his opening and closing ceremonies competition, you know, him breaking down in tears at Cal Poly to me uh, because of how he messed up in the middle of the speaking competition. But look at him right now. I mean, he's, um, you know, an individual who's not only leading our chapter and leading our region, but um, you know, has found success in many different areas regarding his supervised agricultural experiences. And now he's even going to be running for state FFA office. And so, you know, just seeing that growth from that arrogant basketball player coming into my uh, ag biology class to seeing where he is now, you know, serving his community through his involvement at our pumpkin patch, being a, a regional winner in uh, service learning for that. Um, it's, it's a big, big accomplishment. And just seeing the growth in just those that short amount of time, you know, it, it really proves that the power of ag education extends beyond the classroom and you know it changes lives uh, same thing with bb i mean i'm not going to forget about you bb but uh you know you walk into my uh my soft my freshman class um that was a first of all a very difficult class but 
you know, you're a nervous wreck, even though sometimes you're still a little nervous wreck. Um, you know, I think that, you know, the growth that you have seen from not being able to speak in front of a class and to give a presentation to, you know, ultimately being a regional finalist in the areas of impromptu and now leading our section as a sectional officer, it's, it's an incredible, um, you know, way of seeing that growth just from, you know, just a couple years. So seeing the growth in students is my favorite part. Well, since you picked on the other two, I can pick on Mia because she was in my class last year as a freshman. Um, and, uh, you know, she was quiet. She was obviously, uh, she's always been at your very friendly and outgoing in that sense, but uh, did not necessarily think she could get up and do um, a speech. She did opening and closing and then the creed. And then guess what? She was one of the um, actual top finalists at our sectional level, went on to the regional level. Um, I think surprised the heck out of her own self. Um, and then at the beginning of this year, she's like, yeah, I don't think I'll, I'll um, you know, run for, for office and then ends up um, go ahead and putting her application in and becoming the green hand president. So, um, you know, she's definitely challenged herself and pushed herself to, to get that extra step in. And I think um, has probably proved herself wrong a few times too. So um, you guys all definitely show your growth to us, which is very exciting. Just to follow up with that. I mean, with everything being online, does that kind of suck a little bit of the fun out of teaching like is it harder for you guys to see the growth from seeing these freshmen like kind of come out their show or is it still kind of like the same the same fun as it is uh, when it would be a normal year well I think you guys could answer that just within the classroom I mean you, you all know that it's not the same I mean no matter you know how much we try it's never going to be the same but um to answer the part about seeing them um come out of their shell a bit and the students that are getting more involved and have, you know, taken on that challenge, I definitely have already seen it. Um, some of my freshmen um, at the beginning of the year, you know, these students have never experienced the FFA, never seen a meeting live and have just chosen to read this random opening closing script. Um, and then, you know, like felt super excited about it. Our, um, our, our students that are doing the, the BIG contest, they, um, they won the sectional contest and then went on to last week to do a, um, a judging contest um, from Northern California, but virtually, um, and they got in the top five and they were so excited texting each other in our group texts. And, you know, you could just see how, um, how proud of themselves they are. So there is those little bits that we see and um, they're so, you know, definitely excited for themselves, but also you can see from opening, closing them coming and, you know, learning how to be a speaker on this little screen to now practicing for the creed. They're so ready for next week for the sectional, sectional contest. So um, I, I see little bits of it. It's not the same at all, but it is definitely still, there's little bits of, you know, bright kind of excitement happening. Yeah, it's along the same lines of what Ms. Garris said, you know, you can still see growth, you know, whether it be someone that has never spoken up in your class before to, um, you know, participating and engaging or even just showing up for a simple class period, you know, that's, that's growth in and of itself that during these virtual learning times is, is, you know, half the battle is, is being able to show up and to participate. Um, you know, when it comes to more of the involvement with FFA and stuff like that, especially SAE projects, you know, I think that these this past year has really um, allowed me to see that regardless of how difficult these times have been, that students will take advantage of opportunities if they're presented with it. And, you know, I mean, we opened up a pumpkin patch in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, provided, you know, lasting memories for, you know, thousands of people in our community. And it was all due to the contributions of each and every one of you that, you know, dedicated time and effort into it. 
And so, you know, regardless of how difficult and, and how challenging it is to, to see growth and to make those connections, you know, if the opportunity is there and, and, and students are willing to take advantage and to seize that opportunity, you'll be able to see growth no matter what kind of circumstances that we're, we're experiencing. So, yeah. To continue on with that, you say that you've helped students grow and you've seen their growth, but on the contrary, have you had any students that have helped you grow as a person? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, for sure. I think, um, I don't know if I can name a, anybody specifically, um, you know, Mia, you're staring at me, so I, I naturally go to you, um, only because I will say this, last year, um, Mia um, happened to be in my seventh period ag science class, not my favorite class, I will say, um, but um, the, she would stay after school every single day. I don't, just because her ride wouldn't get there, I guess, as early as, as maybe some others. And so she didn't rush out. Sometimes she'd help me clean up. Sometimes it'd just be to chat. Um, and I just, um, I felt like super bonded with her early on. And so it was one of those things that um, just sort of naturally happened. I wasn't, you know, necessarily, she wasn't my, I wasn't trying to make her like the favorite, you know, on purpose, just, it just happened. Um, so um, I, I appreciate students like that who, um, you know, I mean, it's obviously just a kind person, but um, she then obviously, like I said before, went on to do all these things. So students like Mia and I have a couple others that now Mr. Dickinson has, and they're involved with him with the, the speaking contest. And I see their name on the list and it just warms my heart because I know that those are, are good kids and they have really, um, you know, basically, touched me as well by being um, a good student for me and now getting more involved and challenging themselves. I see that and I just, um, I don't know if it's something I'm doing right or something they're doing right, but um, I know that it, it just makes me happy that they're still involved in the FFA and they're trying this next, you know, in this weird virtual time. Um, I think, yeah, to go along with that, I mean, I think whether we realize it in the moment or not, I think that every student that comes through our classroom and you know participates and engages with us, it does change us in some way, shape, or form. And you know, it allows us to grow as, as individuals. You know, whether you're an extremely positive student wanting to run for FFA office, or whether you know you're the silent person in the back that doesn't contribute much. You know, it forces me to you know, want to do more and want to do better to try and reach those students that maybe I am not targeting or ones that maybe don't want to do public speaking. It's all the students that are now on, on all ends of that spectrum um, that, you know, force me to try and find ways in order to better motivate and to better ultimately serve them in the classroom and with our program. I'm so glad to hear both of your answers. I know that both of you gave us a little background about why you're an ag teacher, but really what pushed you to finalize your decision? Like what really made you want to be an ag teacher? So I didn't want to be an ag teacher um, when I started the process. So uh, like I said, I went to Cal Poly. I um, went into ag business hoping to go into the wine industry. That was my whole um, my whole focus. Um, I was a, a wine and vit minor um, at Cal Poly. I worked every summer in um, different uh, vineyards and, you know, custom crush facilities, and I learned all kind of the ins and outs of it. And when I got done with college, I went into wine sales, and about two years in, I decided I just didn't like it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I still love the wine industry, and I have connections and, you know, winemakers and whatnot that um, you know, we're, we have been working with for our vineyard here now, which is kind of cool. 
Um, but I decided I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get my, my teaching credential. I love agriculture. And it was, um, something that, um, I'd always, you know, wanted to be a part of. And like I said, I was raised by two teachers. Um, and so education was always there for me. And so I just decided I was going to, you know, if there was anything I was going to, going to teach, it was going to be agriculture. There was no doubt in my mind. Um, and so that's why I did that. Um, then I ended up not being an ag teacher for a while. So uh, I have a random story, I know, but um, when I came back to this area, there was a business job open and I have a business uh, major and, and my experience in, in the sales industry, um, just sort of naturally, I applied for that job and I really liked it and I kept with it um, until an opportunity came up um, a couple years ago to start this new pathway for ag business and ag government econ. And so that's why I went for it. So glad I did, that was the best decision I did. Yeah, I mean, I guess my story is kind of like Miss Guerra's, you know, I went to Cal Poly, was ag business major, you know, got some jobs in the industry and really realized that, you know, I came to value how I was spending my time, not, not necessarily the paycheck that you were getting. And, you know, by working a, a job, you know, in the industry, working in produce and sales and stuff like that, it, yeah, it was good money. And yeah, it was, you know, fulfilling, you know, that financial part of my life, but there was something missing. And so I decided, you know, halfway through my college career to make that switch right off the bat, because I didn't want to be stuck in something that I wasn't enjoying. You know, when you, when you get into college and when you try to figure out what the heck you're trying to do with your life, you know, you learn what you like, you learn what you don't like. And most importantly, you learn what you value. And, you know, I, one thing that I found out that I valued is I valued, um, you know, sharing my experience and to share my, my knowledge of agriculture with others. And, you know, that has been kind of ingrained since since I was a child growing up on a farm, working with my grandma during the field trips and, you know, being around ag teachers my whole life. My uncle's an ag teacher at Santa Maria, uh, both my the two great uncles and even my grandfather on my dad's side were ag teachers as well. So I knew in the back of my head that it was always there and it was an option. But, uh, you know, going into college, you really don't know exactly what you want to do and you got to kind of test the waters and see see where it goes. And so, you know. That's how I ended up uh, being an ag teacher. So I've gone to both of you for advice for like the past three years now. So I kind of want to share, I guess, have the give the students the same opportunities to listen to some advice. So if you guys can share one piece of advice that you guys or are, share a piece of advice that you guys are willing to give to all these students in our Pioneer Valley FFA program. Um, let's see, what would I say? There's obviously, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, different things we could say to, to our students. One, one of my, um, my things that I, I always, I just want to push students to be yourself, um, and not, and this is easier said than done, but not care what other people think, because if you choose to want to do the dress up days and somebody else, um, you know, thinks that that's embarrassing, who cares? You do it. Um, because, you know, again, at the end of the day, you're going to make your own decisions based on what you, you need to do for your best self. And so I always think that um, you should follow your heart and do do what is, um, you know, for you and, and not not worry about what other people think. But I know as a teenager, that is one of the hardest things ever. We all tend to want to have an image. And so that's what matters to us. But as an adult, you tend to not care about any of that. So um, we always look back and we're like, why did I care about those things? Um, so I always, I always want to tell students that just to, you know what, do what's best for you and your decisions, obviously. Yeah, I think like for any high school student 
going into the start of their high school career for some of you in this room, you know, ending your high school career, you know, it's, it's all about opportunities. And so it's really important to, to seize the opportunities when they're presented to you. You know, you never want to pass up on something that, um, you know, you will regret later on because that's typically one of the things that seniors will tell you like, oh, I wish I would have done that public speaking contest. I wish I would have gone to that conference. I wish I, you know, would have uh, pushed myself to raise a steer for the Santa Barbara County Fair. And so when you're end your high school career, you don't want to have those thoughts in your head. You want to say, hey, I actually did take advantage of those opportunities. You know, there was a, an opportunity and a door open and I went right through it and I took advantage of it. You seize the moment uh, because, you know, by the time you know it, and I think Mark can attest to this as well. You know, if you look back to your freshman year, that seems like it was just like a blink of an eye ago. And, you know, time is going to, to go by at extremely faster rates as you get older. And, you know, when those opportunities pass, there may not be another one that comes along. So always try to seize that opportunity when it presents itself and take risks, you know, challenge yourself and step out of your comfort zone because you don't know that you don't like something until you actually try it. So a lot of people come into the program saying, oh, I don't want to go to a meeting. I don't want to do public speaking. I don't want to do a judging team. I don't want to raise an animal for the fair. Yet those students are the ones that may be pushed in the right direction and try it out. And those are the ones that actually enjoy it the most. So, you know, seize, seize the opportunity and take advantage of them when they when they're presented. Mr. Dickinson and Mrs. Garrett, do you guys have any finishing remarks before we close? No, just um, for the students out there that are, are listening, just continue to get involved in PVFFA. Hang on with us. We're, we're doing the best we can to, you know, keep coming up with activities and events for you guys. And we are all fingers crossed that we'll be back in the classroom soon. So um, we hope to have definitely more coming in um, the next year or so for you guys to actually be involved in in real time in person. So we hope to um, everybody can stay safe right now and then we'll be back together soon. Yeah, definitely for all uh, my students and my non-students out there, maybe past, current, and uh, and future students, um, you know, these times are tough and we're all in this together. And, uh, you know, we need to be there for one another, especially when, uh, you know, the going gets rough and, you know, know that you have a support system here and that we're here to, to guide you in the right direction and to, you know, allow you to see those opportunities uh, in order to better yourselves and your futures in this program. So. Um, I'm excited for this podcast and these future episodes that are going to be uh, coming up in the future. And uh, thank you officers for, for hosting our first episode of the Pioneer Valley pastime. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So we would also like to thank you guys for attending our first ever pastime podcast. And we hope to see you guys in the future.